schedule for today? Nothing, you lazy bum. Excuse me? Sorry, I meant, King Greg, you have a full day of being awesome. What's the capital Paraguay? You should have studied more. I did study last night with Todd. Is that what they're calling it now? Search for lower back dragon tattoos. Why do you hate your parents? Move studying for that test to tomorrow. But the test is tomorrow. Remind me to skip school tomorrow. Siri, remind me to TP Mr. Ryan's house tonight. You are better than that. Okay, you're right. Remind me to egg his house tonight. That is not what I meant. Play dead rotting horse corpse. That is devil music. How do I make a fake ID? What are some good insults to put on Facebook? How do I start a gang in my neighborhood? Please do not text and drive. How far is too far? Why don't you ask your mother? She is listening outside your door. Remind me never to call Matt again. Directions to Kyle's keg party? Nothing good happens after midnight. Be quiet, Siri. Siri, call Matt! But you said... I don't care! I love him! Well, I'm uh, really glad to be here with you guys this morning. It's uh, exciting for us to get to showcase a little bit of what we do uh, every Wednesday night here at Kingsway from 7 till 9. And uh, tonight we wanted to share a message with you that we're just simply calling, there's an app for that. And I want to start by making sure you all know what I mean by an app, right? Not the thing you order before dinner, but the thing you download on your phone or your tablet. Does everybody know what I mean by that? And uh, it's interesting that the word was first used in 1987 but nobody heard of it except programmers until the year 2010. And the year 2010 was the year that it was actually named the most popular new word of the year. Does anyone want to guess what number two was? Number two was the word nom. You guys all know what that means, right? No? Here, I'll, I'll give you the definition for nom then. It says, an expression of eating or a sound thereof, usually spoken in clusters of four. I'll, I'll use it in a sentence here. <clears throat> Me want cookie, nom, 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 nom. That's actually the second most popular word in 2010. But recently, uh, when dictionary.com was asked, how do these words like app and LOL and even nom make it into your dictionary? They said, that's just based on usage. They said, we monitor and track uh, various words being used in, on the internet and in cyberspace. And if a word is used enough, it becomes an official word and they will add it to their dictionary. And uh, when they were asked, well, how do you actually track all of those words being used on the internet? They said, well, we have an app for that. And uh, something that I found amazing, uh, did anyone guess how many apps there are? The short answer is no one knows, because not every app makes it onto a store to be sold. But currently, there are 2.2 million apps you can get from Android, uh, for your Android, and over 2 million available for Apple. And that number grows by about 50,000 a month. And uh, they range in price. And it's interesting to know also that in 2008, there was only 10,000 apps ever. And so in the last eight years, it's grown by that many millions. And it's an amazing, you know, some apps are amazingly helpful, and they make your life better. And you sometimes think to yourself, I don't know how I got by without having this before. And some, well, some don't, and some aren't very good at all. And so we thought it would be fun to take a look and, and play a little game that we're just going to simply call Faux Real. And so I'm going to need a few volunteers. Everybody like the wordplay up there? Just take a minute. Enjoy that. There you go. 
So I need a couple of volunteers. I need uh, somebody who I'm going to consider to be, I'm going I'm to arbitrarily divide you into youth, and I'll just call the other ones not youth, if that's okay. So uh, I need a volunteer who's youth. I'm going to say if you're under 25, we'll call you youth. That's kind of the average age that's in Launchpad or, or, uh, or our regular uh, youth. So a volunteer under 25 and a volunteer over 25. I would never volunteer to play a game in church because I would come up front and I would think they'd ask me a question about the Bible and I wouldn't know and everybody would be like, how does he not know that? I'm not going to ask any Bible questions and you're allowed to get the audience to help you. So it's no pressure that way and all you have to do to answer is say one word. So anybody who's young, a youthful, better just stick with the the, uh, under 25, want to come up to the front? Oh, Bev says yes. Cool, Bev, come on up. I thought you were shaking your head like this as if to say, yeah, pick me. I need somebody. Okay, let's have the, uh, let's have the uh, older group lead here. Who would like to come up? Over 25, right here, right here. And the youth, I expect somebody to be up here quicker than he gets up here, or you're just going to be embarrassing yourselves. All right, James, you win. Come on up. I could tell he wanted to. So uh, we'll do this game show style here. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to put the name of an app up on the screen and there's, you're going to see four, it's a real app, and you're going to see four possible things that it does. Three are fake. Three I just made up, usually late at night, so they may not make a lot of sense. But three are completely made up. One is the actual thing that app does. And what I want you to do is to take turns picking the ones that are fake. And so if you pick one that's fake, you get, your team gets a point. If you pick the one that's real, you're going to lose a point. So we'll start with, uh, we'll start with you. Your name is? Tommy. I thought it was Danny. Tommy? Tommy. Tommy. All right. I don't know your name. I do now. Tommy. Tommy. Here's our first one. We're going to throw it up here on the screen. The name of the app is called Cracked. Now, number one is, is it created by Ontario egg farmers, and it lists egg recipes to encourage us to buy more eggs? Number two, it makes your screen look cracked so that you can show your parents and maybe they'll buy you the newest phone. Number three, it's a kid's game that requires you to virtually have a spoon egg on the spoon race. Or number four, it's a code-breaking game that earns you points by solving puzzles in the fastest time. Pick one of those that you think is wrong. And you can get help from any, anybody here who's over 25, yell, them, yell them up to them what you think the answer is. Yeah. Three. Three. All right. Three is indeed an incorrect answer. That's not what that app does. So that's the first point to the adults. Adults, you want to cheer for Tommy here? He just got you a point. Young guy. What should I choose? Throw some answers. Throw some answers. Okay. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with four. Four. Four is also incorrect. Four is not the correct answer. So now the pressure's on you. It's either, either one is the real one or two is the real one. I want you to tell me which one's fake. Which one is fake? Number one's fake. No, that is correct. That is correct. This is actually an app that makes your screen look like you dropped it. So you go to your parents when you have an iPhone 5, and you go, oh, and they buy you a new one. So that's fantastic. Thank you guys for coming up. Let me give you a, let me give you a parting gift here. They're peanut-free, in just case you are worried about that. Let me, let me have another couple volunteers. Now that you see it's not scary, we have a couple other volunteers here. Someone who's over 25, someone who's under 25. Hi, Marilyn. Do you know somebody over 25? Oh, okay. You can come up. Sure. I didn't know for sure. Supposed to be the young people who volunteer, and I got to drag everybody else out of their chairs. Somebody under 25 who wants to come up and play this extremely... You're eating chocolate. 
You didn't, you cut, get up here. You didn't even earn that chocolate. You're up here now. All right, you guys want to do any trash talking? You're good to go. All right, so Emily and Marilyn are up here. So here's question number two. It's called iNap. One, it makes fake computer sounds on your phone so that you can sound busy when your boss walks past. Number two, it works as a baby monitor so that you can listen to your baby sleep from another room. Number three, it plays relaxing sounds and songs to help you fall asleep at night. And number four, you enter when you sleep, and it will actually calculate the best time to take a nap. Three of those are fake. I I think they're all good ideas, though. I might make a fortune. You may never see me again. Three of those are fake. One is real. Last time I served with the adults, so child. What do you think? Number four. Number four is incorrect. That's a point. I I assume somebody's taking the scores, right? Because I'm just saying point. Marilyn, what do you think? Three is also fake. You guys are getting good at this. All right. Last one. One or two. Which one's fake? Two. (laughs) Two is also correct. You guys are good at this. I nap. Let's you mix together five different sounds, keyboard strokes, mouse clicks, staples, mumbling, and I can't remember the other one, and you get to mix your own soundtrack so that you can be sleeping, but if someone walks by your cubicle, it sounds like you're working up a storm in there. All right, thanks very much. We'll send you guys off with a chocolate bar as well. I don't know why I'm holding this microphone. It does not help. Marilyn, no switching. Is Marilyn trying to switch? Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Anyone? It's not that far to walk. You're coming up? All right, you better put the screen up before you come then. So here comes the next one. Don't read it yet. If you're youth, you got to come up. Who's coming up? Michelle just volunteered by blinking. I saw you blink. Come on up, Michelle. All you got to do is say a number. You're good at that. Come on, Michelle. If you don't want to get picked, and I'm a, I'll tell you as a teacher, if you don't want to get picked, you have to look at your shoes. If you make eye contact, you're dead. You're, you're coming up. You've got to suddenly go like, why did I wear these shoes? And act like you're just very interested in something else. You okay? All right. It's exciting though, right? Michelle and Colleen, right? All right. So uh, I think we're starting with Colleen. Here's our next fake, uh, our, our next app. It's called Fake Calculator. It's a calculator that gives you wrong answers every time so you can fool your friends. Number two, it's an app that looks like a calculator, but really lets you hide things within the app so your parents can't find it. Number three, it allows you to text in a format that makes it look like a calculator, but really you're texting, and that's to fool your math teacher. And finally, it's a regular calculator, but it was created by a company called Fake, so it's just Fake's calculator. So we're starting over here, I think. What do you think? What do you guys think? Four. Four is is incorrect, which means she gets a point. Michelle, what do you think? All, all the people who should help you have chocolate shoved in their face. So, You think it's one? One is also incorrect. You guys are so good at this last night. Last night, I, I tricked everyone. Which one's fake? One, uh, sorry, three? Uh, three is also incorrect. You guys are really good at this. I hate to do this to the youth. Oh, I don't know who won. Who won, Candace? Have to be? No, that's good. We're adults. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had people guessing on the first one last night. You guys are really good at this. And uh, that's, a, that's an app that, as kids, you probably might not get away with this anymore, but it's actually a really devious little app. It looks like a calculator, and you push it, and it looks like a calculator, and it works like a calculator, but if you push in the right code, you can hide stuff in it, like pictures you don't want your parents to see and stuff like that. So parents, if you see your kids with a calculator app on their iPhone or on their tablet, come on, you better check into that. So see if it's made by, uh, by that company. But uh, as you can see from that, it's, I think it's safe to say that, that uh, you know, some apps are well worth the price. And let's face it, uh, you know, some apps just aren't. And I, I think if we were honest, we would say, you know, there are apps that we would actually pay for. I mean, unless you're Dutch, you would pay for them. And I mean, there, there's, there's some apps that you use for free, especially if you're Dutch, you would use those. And then finally, there are some that you would not use unless somebody paid you, which is really a dream come true for the Dutch. But uh, they, they really vary. But when it comes to applying things, comes to applying things in the Bible, there's really two guys who kind of lead the way on teaching this to us. And that would be Jesus and that would be James. And I, I think uh, you probably know who Jesus is. We'll come back to him in a minute. But uh, you may not know who James is because there's a number of James in the New Testament. Uh, for example, two of the 12 original disciples that Jesus chose were named James. Uh, we're not going to talk about those James tonight. We're going to talk about James, the brother of Jesus, or if you want to be precise, the half-brother of Jesus, the biological son of Mary and Joseph. And this is the James that grew up and had Jesus as his actual big brother. Uh, just as an aside, does anybody know the other name of one of Jesus' brothers who also wrote a book in the New Testament? Unless you were here last night, just put your hand off. Anyone? Uh, Jude. Jude also uh, it was a brother of uh, Jesus. But can you, I can imagine it must have been pretty tough for James. I mean, growing up, and everything your brother did was perfect. Everything your brother did was just absolutely spot on. And so he never stayed out you know, after curfew. He never had to sneak in after curfew. He never had to lie to his parents about putting a dent in the family donkey, or he never had to, you know, disobey his parents and get caught in a lie. None of that ever happened. And I can only imagine that, you know, we've all heard the expression, what would Jesus do? I just imagine how that would sound if it was your parents saying it about your brother. Come on, would Jesus do that? Why can't you be more like Jesus? I think it'd be pretty tough. And if you think for a minute, if you have an older brother or an older sibling, uh, think for a minute, what would they have to do to convince you that they were the son of God. I would think probably walk on water, right? But for James, that wasn't enough. You see, James didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God. He kind of thought his brother might be a little off. And so all throughout Jesus' ministry, we don't hear much about James. We hear him visiting uh, Jesus once, but for the most part, he didn't believe. He didn't believe yet. And so it's not surprising that he wasn't one of the Jameses, Jesus's, Jameses who was a disciple, and he wasn't somebody who we hear much about. And this is because until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, James didn't believe. But after that, the Lord opened his eyes, and he chose, and he suddenly realized that his brother was also his savior. And from that point on, uh, you know, James was on fire. He founded a church and became a pastor of a church in Jerusalem. And at the time, he wrote this letter. And uh, that's where we'll begin today. We're going to begin in the book of James. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, well, you know this is coming. There's an app for that, so you should get one. Um, and I know that if you're punching it into your phone or your tablet, it's easier to get the whole reference at the beginning. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And while you're looking that up, maybe I want to explain a little bit about this letter. And so when I say to you that the book of the Bible called James was actually a letter written by James, most of you probably knew that, but it's actually a little bit misleading. 
Because to us, a letter is something we write to someone, and then we send it directly to that person. And that's not what this was. Um, you know, James was writing this not to an individual person or even an individual church. He was writing this to believers all throughout the ancient world. They were all spread out everywhere. You see, he was actually writing this letter to followers of Jesus who were Jewish. And so these were people who actually believed that Jesus was that long-awaited Messiah they were looking for. And so they were raised in the Jewish faith, just like James and just like Jesus was. But they believed in him as the Messiah. And so James calls them Jewish believers. And I'm trying to think of the best way to explain what this would have been like. And I kind of think it's a lot like a podcast. James would have prepared this message knowing that he would not personally deliver it to people, but people who had an interest in what he had to say would want to hear this. And so it was really like a podcast for Jewish followers of Jesus. And uh, speaking of which, maybe I can just pause for a minute and remind you guys about some of the online resources we have here at Kingsway. Uh, if you miss a week or you want to hear a message again, you can go straight to our website and uh, got my laser pointer. You can, you can just go up here to resources and click on sermons, and every sermon that's preached here, here's Mark's third sermon on the Measuring Up series. Click right here, it's playing. You want to download it, you can do that well, over here. It's free. It'll just run right off your computer if you want to hear it again or if you're away for a week. And what I do, and I actually like this one better, you can also go on to iTunes. Kingsway has its own iTunes um, well, section, for lack of a better term. If you're looking for the blue Kingsway there, that's our logo. And again, you can see all the sermons just listed here. And uh, if you subscribe to it, over here on the subscribe button, if you subscribe to it, it'll just download on your phone or tablet automatically. Usually Monday, Tuesday, it just appears on my phone. It's a really cool app. And so that's one way that if you're not here or if you're, or if you're really kind of convicted to uh, hear it again or, or follow up on some of the things you hear when Mark's preaching, it's a fantastic access for you. And so uh, if you are listening to this online, uh, welcome. Uh, glad you're here. I'll set the scene for you. I'm standing at the front. I'm um, wearing kind of a blue and white shirt. Um, strikingly handsome is how I would describe myself. Um, it's, uh, that wasn't a joke. What do you, I don't know, man. Uh, but uh, besides that, uh, not much to mention. You know, no, no facial hair. I don't have any tattoos or anything. Although, if I ever get a tattoo, I see a lot of people with the, the barbed wire around their arm, right? And to me, that's kind of kind of intimidating, kind of scary. So I think if I ever get a tattoo, I'm going to get like a white picket fence around my arm. And I just think like, you know, it's so welcoming and friendly, I think it would go well. But uh, actually, we could probably edit that out. I'm not sure about that. But uh, my point was this. I did have a point. This was a letter not written to a specific person, but to a group of believers. And that's a key part of what we're going to talk about. Like, this was sent to followers of Jesus. And so we're going to start in chapter 1 in the book of James. So if you, ha if you don't have it in front of you, it's going to appear behind me, uh, the New Living Translation, the NLT. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I, um, I love the way the New King James Version puts verse 22. It refers to it as hearers and doers. And so if I give you a pop quiz right now, are we called to be hearers or doers? Both, right? Don't, don't gloss over that part. James is not giving us an excuse to tune out when we're at church. He's not saying you don't need to uh, uh, read and then reread your Bible. Uh, you know, he's not, he is making the assumption, though, 
that you're a listener. Because if you're listening to this letter, you're a listener. You had enough interest to be reading through the book of James. And so he's assuming that you're a listener, be saying, that's important. You need to do that first, but then you need to do it. And I, I fully admit that sometimes scripture can be hard to understand. And I think part of what we're going to look at tonight is kind of confusing. But here's a nice short sentence that we're told. It says, you must do what it says. But if we go back to the original Greek language and we study the meaning of that word, here's what you can actually translate it to. You must do what it says. But if you look at the Aramaic language at the time and you cross-reference those words, we get a meaning that basically says, you must do what it says. You guys want one more? I got one more. Okay. Uh, if you understand Jewish culture in the first century and you understand all the nuances of what was happening at that time following the death of Jesus, you could really understand that what James is trying to say is, it's not hard, right? You must do what it says. And uh, James is calling us to have an active faith, not a passive one. To know God's will is only the beginning, James is telling us. We need to obey. Uh, Andy Stanley refers to it this way. It's what you do that matters. And, if we, and then when we get to verse 23 and 24, I look at this, and I kind of, I've read this 100 times. I don't really get it. If we could just put 23 and 24 back up there, it says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. And I kind of thought, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't think that's how it works. And so I thought I'd ask you by asking a question. Why do you look in the mirror? Maybe, maybe you're just trying to be fair, and you're thinking, look, everybody else gets to look at this all day. I want to turn. Right? <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's a, like in my case, it's to keep me humble, right? Or maybe it's just you have nothing better to do. It's a habit. I mean, what else are you going to do when you're brushing your teeth? I mean, probably text, but besides that, you just kind of stare in the mirror. But let me give you a reason that is not the reason why you look in the mirror, because you're afraid you might forget what you look like. And so what we see here is, is, is what, when we explain this, yeah, just imagine it this way. I look, I see, I see the wallpaper on my wife's phone. I see a picture of her with some guy around, uh, some arm around, uh, some guy's arm around her. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then I'm like, oh, it's me. Oh, thank goodness. Or, or I get my yearbook. I get my high school yearbook. And when I read it, I sit in front of the mirror and I go from page to page. I'm like, no, no. Was I on the chess team? No. Well, I was, but no. I mean, it doesn't work like that. We know what we look like. It's not like playing Where's Waldo in the yearbook. But it's, it's this idea, if you don't look, we don't look in the mirror and forget what we look like. We look in the mirror to see if everything's good, right? We look to see if we need to shave or if we have mascara running down our cheeks or if our hair's standing straight up or if you have rib sauce from ear to ear or if you have a big chunk of that sleep stuff in the corner of your eye or a glob of toothpaste on your mouth. That's why we look. And the person who is a hearer and not a doer is like the person who looks in that mirror realizes they need to shave, realizes they need to fix their makeup or brush their hair or wash their face, and they simply walk away. And then they come back again later, and they look, and they have the same realization, and they walk away again. And for you to keep reading your Bible and uh, be convicted by what God's telling you, and for you to keep coming to church and hearing Mark preach and, be, and, and listening and having the Holy Spirit convict you, and for you to have a conversation with your Christian friends and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through their words and not act on it, it's just like standing in front of the mirror, seeing a huge chunk of broccoli stuck in your teeth and going, wow, that's a lot of broccoli, and then walking away. And if you think of it this way, if you, you're never going to hear me say that hearing is useless. Hearing has to come first. But hearing without doing will not allow God to complete the good work that he wants to do in you. 
And the problem for so many of us is that we're very concerned about what we see in the actual mirror, and we don't spend the equal amount of time looking at ourselves in the mirror that the Scripture uh, gives us. And so James continues into verse 25 here. It says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And I love the way that starts. I love when I see the word but in the Bible because it always transitions from something that I need to work on to God's solution. And in this case, it transitions so perfectly from the silliness of looking at your in the mirror and not acting and what James is about to share next. But first, I think we need to explain what it means by the perfect law, because I didn't know what that meant either. And so the perfect law simply means the word of God. It's your Bible. It's everything that God can reveal to you uh, personally through the Holy Spirit's leading, through the Bible, but it's everything together. And James is calling it the law because that would have been traditional to call the entire Bible the law. Um, but really, it's more than that. And if we focus on the law, we get a very different view of what we're seeing. Uh, so we think Ten Commandments. We think thou shall, thou shall not. And we think, where's the freedom in that? How is this perfect law going to give me freedom? Um, and it seems like we have less freedom. If you're a follower of Jesus, it may seem to you you have less freedom than people who don't follow Jesus. You might think, well, everybody else just seems to do whatever they want. And I'm trying to live up to the... To, the, uh, to what God wants from me. But let me give you an example. Uh, about a year ago, April, May of last year, Pastor Mark uh, preached a series on finances. Then we remember his tagline, you need to be knowing where your money's going. Very good. That's 15 months ago. I'm glad you remembered that. And basically, it was a look at what the Bible says about how, what you do with the money and the finances that God's entrusted with you and the concept of stewardship. And I could have sat there saying to myself, like, I don't need him to tell me what to do with my money. I mean, it's my money. After all, I earned it. And I might be sitting there thinking, you know, this isn't freeing. This feels like restrictions. This feels like rules. I have to save. I have to give. I have to do all these things. But here's the thing. I can have the freedom to buy anything I want. And I can spend my money however I want. After all, the credit card company seems to think I deserve it. But by acting on Mark's preaching, because I believe that God speaks through Mark, and acting on, those, on the Bible's teaching on money, because I believe that God speaks through the Scriptures, I can have financial freedom. And if you were convicted by the Holy Spirit as you listened, and you acted on those biblical principles, how do you feel today? You feel free. In this case, debt-free. And if you listen as you learn that God wants you to be sexually pure, and it sounded like rules to you, so you just didn't act on it, how do you feel years later when you're caught up in bad relationship after bad relationship? We don't feel free. Or how do, you, how do you feel when you read the scriptures and God wants you to be honest and truthful in all things, but you choose just to listen and not change your ways? How do you feel when all those lies come tumbling down on you? It doesn't feel like freedom. And finally, we could say, you know, God has told us in his word that our bodies are temples and that God lives within us and we're to be careful what we do to our bodies and that we're to honor God with our bodies at all times. But if you just know it and you don't act on it, how do you feel when addictions rule your lives? Not free. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to have a moment here just to invite Tim Basblum to come up to the front. Uh, Tim is one of our, um, he began as a participant in uh, Youth at Kingsway on Wednesday nights, and he kind of graduated to our Launchpad program, but he's remained on as one of our, our leaders with the, uh, with the Wednesday night group, and uh, he's going to personalize for us some of what I've just been talking about. All right, so hi, I'm Tim. Um, you may remember me from last year. I was here to talk about waiting on God, and I just feel really blessed to be able to share with you again um, this year. So I'm here to talk 
about a few things. First, about living in Christ. So what is a feeling? I was looking up the word to find a couple definitions to see what it said the other day, and one of them was, a feeling is an emotional state or reaction. Another definition said that it was a belief, especially a vague or irrational one. Should we live our lives based on feelings? What if we feel happy one moment, sad the next, motivated one moment, lazy the next, courageous, then fearful, loved by God, can't find God's love? Feelings can change in an instant and are unpredictable. They are filled with emotional highs and lows and are not very stable. Feelings aren't always necessarily bad. They can be great at times. But should we live our lives based on feelings? Do you live your life based on feelings? At times in my own life, I have depended far too much on my feelings for my own identity as a person. I've experienced so many highs and lows in feelings. Let me tell you, it is very physically, mentally, and emotionally draining. A big problem with feelings is that they change with circumstances. At times, I could feel happy and confident when life was feeling good. I felt good. God was good. He loved me. However, I have also experienced times of loneliness and depression in my life, times of frustration. The devil especially likes to attack when we are vulnerable. He would tell lie upon lie. At these times, I would pour negativity on my life. I felt insecure, fearful. God did not love me or care about me. Or did he? Here's the thing. I think I always knew deep down that he did, but I was focused too much on my circumstances and how I felt about them. Now, loneliness and depression are terrible things. I'm going to talk more about this in a bit, but first I want to tell you how God changed the way I think. Feelings are very up and down and can cause a person to become very double-minded. Living for yourself sometimes, living for God sometimes, doubting God's love sometimes, or declaring it depending on how you feel. The Bible speaks clearly against being double-minded. So if feelings don't work, is there a better alternative? God has taught me and shown me that there is. The devil is the father of lies, but God is the father of truth. Truth and love go very much together. God is love, and he speaks the truth in love, which is his word. God's word is full of truth, truth of salvation, truth of love, truth of how we are to live life, and the truth of living life based not on feelings, but based upon identity in Christ. Through identity in Christ, every person can find value, worth, security, love, happiness, joy, purpose, and the list goes on and on. In Christ, we are made new. The Bible talks in Ephesians 4 about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. I like the example of the mirror in James. When you have on the old man, you can look yourself in the mirror, go away, and forget. Okay. But when you have on the new man and your identity is in Christ, you're a completely changed person in that mirror. And it's a tragedy to go away and forget who you are. That is why it's important to hear the word of God and study it. We need the truth about salvation and the truth about what it means to live in Christ. But hearing and knowing is not enough. We also need to go and live out this identity in the world. As it says in James, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Going back to feelings, they are changing all the time, never stable. But two biblical truths say in Hebrews 13, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Ephesians 2 says Christ is our cornerstone, and he's always stable and reliable. But we need to accept and believe these truths and live out our lives in Christ. Now I would like to talk to you a little bit about loneliness and friendship for a bit, because they are two topics close to my heart, and they apply to, be, um, to being a doer of the word. First, take time for your friends. Everybody is busy, but make them your priority. Very few things go to heaven with you. Possessions and money won't make it. 
Relationships with Christian friends will, so why not treat them as valuable as they are? Next, be real with your friends. As I've learned, it's not all about being perfect. God made everyone unique. We all have our gifts and talents. We all have our weaknesses. So instead of feeling like we need to one-up each other all the time or being envious of each other, how about just being the person God made you to be and loving the person God made your friend to be? This takes a lot of pressure off each person. Romans 12 tells us to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. So how about encouraging your friends, telling them certain things you value about them, and telling and showing your friends that you love them. Romans 12 also tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words, be there with your friends in the good times and hard times. Offer support, give a hug, a word of encouragement. Honestly, sometimes even a quick call or text message to show you care is huge. But you have to think about it to do it, so make it a habit. Finally, I would really encourage you to pray with your friends and talk about God together. Spur each other on to become more and more like Christ. If you are a lonely person at this time, I would encourage you to do a number of things. First, pray and ask God to draw close to you and surround you with his love. Ask for his guidance and direction, and if he has something to teach you right now, if there is someone he could be leading you to reach out to. Read the Bible and keep claiming the truths that God will never leave you, and any lies that Satan brings to your mind are just that, lies. Take this opportunity to draw closer in your relationship with God, and remember that Jesus is always your friend. If God is leading you, reach out to someone else. You don't always have to be a passive person just waiting around for things to happen to you. You can also go out and be a friend to someone else. Proverbs 18 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So make sure to be a good friend to someone else as well. And finally, don't give up if things take time. Always remember that God loves you and has an awesome plan for your life, and he knows your heart and desires. Be patient. Finally, I want to talk to everyone here about something important. Individually, I'm talking to each one of you. If you know someone who is lonely, pray and ask God what you can do for that person. Then reach out. A kind word or action can make a lot of difference in a person's life. Don't wait or leave it up to the next person, because what if that next person never comes along? You may be the very person God can use to bring a sense of joy, value, and love in another person's life. Again, James says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So why don't we go out and be an example of love to our friends as well as those around us who really need it. It not only helps and lifts up another person, it glorifies God as well. Uh, thanks so much, Tim. I, uh, I really look forward to one day sitting in uh, Tim's congregation and listening to him preach because I, <laughs> I think that's where he's heading, but... Uh, uh, thanks so much, Tim. I, uh, I, I really appreciate all of our leaders uh, uh, come out to youth are just fantastic uh, examples for the kids who come out, and, uh, and uh, I just appreciate all of them, and maybe we'll uh, do something a little more formal at the end. But uh, I want to I end then by talking about uh, Jesus' teaching on the subject. And Jesus had an audience of thousands listening to him preach the Sermon on the Mount, and he must have recognized that there were undoubtedly some listeners but not doers in that crowd. And so um, as the crowd had followed him, uh, some just because there was a crowd and they followed, some they probably were hoping for a free lunch, and of course they weren't disappointed, uh, unless you don't like fish. Um, but, uh, you know, when he, when he reached uh, the end of his sermon, he says this in Matthew seven twenty four and 25, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the, wind, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. 
The New King James Version begins that by saying, whoever hears these words of mine and does them. And Jesus begins the parable with the word therefore. He's looking back to the entire Sermon on the Mount. In my Bible, it's like eight pages long. He's just delivered the greatest sermon ever. And everything he's spoken about, he ends by saying this, now that you've heard these words of mine, you must do what it says. Jesus is saying that it's, not, it's the only way to build a strong foundation, our faith on him, is by obeying his words, not just knowing them. And because he uses the word everyone, Jesus reveals that his words are intended for all people, for all time. James is writing to believers, those who made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who were interested in what he had to say, at least interested enough to be there. But at this time, they, they weren't really followers of Jesus in, in the way that we use the word. They were followers, followers in a literal sense. Remember, Jesus had just begun his ministry. And Jesus is inviting them to become more, to do more than just to listen to his words, but to become true followers of his. And he is inviting you to become more, more than just someone who listens and understands, but to become a true follower of his. You know, I've tried all week to hunt down this quote. I've heard this quote before, and I know it's from Andy Stanley. I know I saw it on Right Now Media, and I think it was in a series he did on marriage. But he says this, uh, God communicates with an expectation of participation. When God speaks to us, when God teaches us, when God shows us, there's an expectation on his behalf that we will do it. We will follow. That's what a follower does. They follow. And the quote, uh, the, the, uh, it's because uh, not that uh, God wants obedience as much as God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. And if we return to verse 25 just one last time here, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, so we've talked about that, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, that's what we've been talking about this whole time, then God will bless you for doing it. And I think so often the way God chooses to bless us in our lives is by giving us his wisdom and his truth for us to follow. God's ways are above our ways. And when we choose to live the life that God has prepared for us, that's when we truly find ourselves blessed. Can I pray for you guys just before we go? God, you know the heart of everyone here tonight, and you know where they are and what they're carrying with them. And you... You have a way that you want us to live, Lord, not for your benefit, but for ours. And we want to bless, you want to bless us, and Lord, we want to bless you uh, for your glory. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you work on the hearts of, of everyone here this week, Lord, that, you would just, uh, that we would just listen, listen to your leading, and then follow uh, to do what it says. And I just thank you, Lord, for the abundant life that you offer and the promise of an eternity with you. And Lord, I just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.